Welcome to Don't Ask Me That, a local pastor podcast. It is a known fact that every local pastor in every local church is an absolute expert in absolutely everything. And this is the show where we prove that that is just absolutely not true. But we do know some stuff, and what we don't know, we'll probably make up. So here is our best shot at your super hard questions. What's going on, podcast land? This is resident local pastor Cody Cannon, and I am here today with a very, very special guest, Pastor Lance Hahn. Lance, how are you doing? What's up, Cody? I'm glad to be here, man. This is fun. It's good times, huh? Yeah, I it think is. So. so Lance is a pastor of a local church called Bridgeway Christian Church in Roseville, right? Yep, we just moved you, out yeah, of Rockland I know, because it was like right on the edge, and so yeah, it was like, now right. I don't know what to say, and so Roseville. Right on. That's awesome. And Lance also just wrote a book. Lance, would you tell us a little bit about your book? Yeah. Okay. So I just wrote a book. It released in March, I think, March 15th. And it's called How to Live in Fear, Mastering the Art of Freaking Out. <laughs> Which a lot of people need to master that art because they're, yes. yeah, they're not that great at it. Well, and here's the funny thing. So that title is totally me, right? Now, yeah, I didn't oh. even come up with it. That's what's so ironic. So <laughs> the guy that I was working with that works at the publishing house, he came up with it. And the minute I heard it, I went, oh, that is totally me. Now, here's the problem with it. Okay. A lot of people don't like the title. because they're, they're <laughs> I love little, the title. Well, they're a little wrapped tight. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, and so I got they're you. like, who would want to live? Live in fear. Yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of the point, you guys. Yeah, come, come on. on. <laughs> so the, the the bottom line to the title is, if you're going to be in fear, why don't we live in fear and not die in fear? Oh, right? That's amen. the yeah. whole point. And we got to master this whole thing. When, when you're freaking out, how do we bring it under control? That That's the point. Yeah, because you're like going to freak out. You're going to freak out. Yeah, and so like let's let's take care of that and deal with it and get better at it. Exactly. That's awesome. And so so the whole book is kind of wrapped around uh, this thought of that the anxiety and, and fear exists in the church. It's, it's not all of a sudden healed um, in, as we come to Christ. Like people still struggle with with this and 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 I know that like like as a local pastor and any other local pastor that hears this you needed to know like that's in your church it's a real thing um, why do you think that there is so much um, even shame attached to this when it comes to uh, followers of Christ uh, well yeah I, I think that because of the language and here's why Jesus has a couple things uh, whether it's a sermon on the mount or a couple different teachings that he'll say things like be anxious about nothing yep. but in all things with prayer and petition present your request to God um, and so therefore all anxiety ever that's the point right. and yeah. then it says and he says do not worry and so everybody assumes that ang- the anxiety he was talking about and the worry that he's talking about is what they were experiencing now right. I disagree yeah I don't think Jesus was referring to uh, uh, not referring a lot to disorders, right? Which is kind of what I was talking about. So, so let me let me define that for a second. Okay. Um, when I talk about freaking out, what I'm not talking about is normal concern, right? All right. So, for example, <laughs> if your child is diagnosed with cancer, right, you're supposed to be freaking out, yeah, because you're concerned about how their way of life is going to be affected. You're worried about pain. You're worried about these things. That's a normal. Yeah, and even concern. wise concern, right? Absolutely. Like to, to go through and do the research on those particular things that will be affected. By, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Jesus does talk about those types of things, and he's saying, listen, 
in that scenario, you may be overly concerned. I need you to trust me yeah. because I love your child more than you do. Yeah. I'm co- you know what I mean? Yep. That's more what he was talking about was normal life, stresses, concerns, what we would refer to as worry. Right. Now, what I'm talking about is, let's say you have a, um, a speech to give. Yeah. Uh, let's say you're a college student, you have a speech to give. Most people would be nervous to give their speech in class. Right. Who isn't? Who isn't, right? I mean, it's one of the number one fears in the United States. It's, it's, it goes back and forth between number one and number three yeah. of the number one fears. Which is so strange, side note, that that's like what we do uh, on a Sunday to Sunday basis to stand up and tell people stuff. Yeah, we do the like scariest thing in the United States <laughs> all the time. Right on. Uh, yeah, it's really kind of bizarre. So um, what, what I'm talking about is that when you have a panic attack, when let's say you have that speech and instead of just being nervous about it, right, you're panicking so bad in the bathroom, you hyperventilate, and fall over. Right. Okay, that's an inappropriate response to having to speak to someone. Right? Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Uh, and I mean, absolutely. That, that's not normal. And, and you even speak <clears throat> about in the book, especially in the beginning, about your wrestling with this and some of your personal experiences. Could you maybe share oh, absolutely. Uh, one of those? Yeah. So the book is, is broken into three different pieces. So the first third is really my story. Right. The second And third, I learned a lot about you reading that, yeah, and I, I'm, like, I'm really thankful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I yes, I had someone say, because there's a, there's a story about my dog in there. Yeah. And this one lady said, I had to put the book down. I never picked it up again after oh. reading the story, because she was so sad <laughs> yeah. about what was going on with my, my dog. Um, so there's personal stories, very raw, yeah. very open, and that was on purpose. Yeah, raw is the way I described it as Big well to time. other people. And then uh, the second piece is all the helps and the tips and tricks of how to live with it. Okay. The third part of the book is all the theology of it. Yeah. How does this work with God? So if we good. are Christians, how? where's God? How come he's not solving it? Can't we just be healed from it? All that stuff. So the theological implications. So right. let's zoom back. We're talking about the first piece, the story. So this started manifesting in my life when I was six years old. Now, I'm 44 today. Whoa. So... Uh, I've I've had to wrestle with it for a really really long time. Right. So at the age of six, I started having choking fits. Now that's not normal, where the uh, child their throat would constrict and they feel like they couldn't breathe or they couldn't swallow or they couldn't whatever. That's very unusual. Right. And back in the day, there was no such thing as panic attacks. There, remember, so I was born the last day of 1971. So we're in, let's see, 1972. <laughs> the last day. Uh, totally, New Year's Eve. Right. 72, 73, 74, 75, 76, 77. So we're at 77, and I'm six years old. There was no discussions, certainly not with children, right. about the idea of a panic attack. So... I was in a religious household. They assumed it was demonic. They assumed, well, that doesn't help a kid either. Sure doesn't. (laughs) Hey, let's have a prayer of a demon to be cast out. Um, And then it would morph over time with different ways that it would show up. So um, most of my life I spent having stomach aches where you're nervous. You know, people go, oh, that's butterfly. No, it's much more than that. You always feel like you're going to throw up. Um, It's the idea that there's really two big camps uh, with panic attacks about what happens. Um, some people have the effects where they feel like they're going to have a heart attack. Their heart starts racing, their palms get sweaty, oh, they man. feel like their t- their chest is tightening, and they feel like, I'm going to die. Hmm. 
The other side, which is a little bit more rare, that's the side that mine manifested on, was I would get lightheaded, feel like I'm going to pass out, and there was nothing I could do about it. It was like my whole body was just shutting down on me. Whoa. So that's happened a lot in my life. That was a big, for, for decades. And so it would ebb and flow based on different seasons of my life. Um, so all this was very, very real to me. And mm. so the idea that God would take a scared little kid right. who couldn't go to the movie theater, couldn't go to the grocery store, sometimes couldn't even go to school, and he would make him a, a, a massive church pastor that speaks in front of people and is always public. All the time. It's yeah. so odd. Yeah. Anyway, because I had a lot of it ended up being a social phobia, and yet what do I do for a living but be social? Yeah, so. the, one of the most social jobs you could have, actually, and yeah. always meeting new people, always meeting different types of people, in never crowds. really in a comfort zone. Yeah, no. never, never comfortable, always new situations coming up to you every Sunday, every day of the week, really. Yes, and, and, and I think that a couple things I was trying to get across in the book is one is uh, the cover, right? Right. You, you know, I love, I love the cover of, of the book. It, if you haven't seen it, the cover is a, a big elephant up on a chair hiding from a little tiny mouse right. that's staring up at him. And the whole point is, I know it's all irrational. Right. It doesn't make sense. And I think that's what's so hard for people to try to describe it to other people. If you say, what's a panic attack like? Well, it's hard to describe. Yeah. When you say, what do you mean you're anxious? Well, I go, well, my cells of my body feel like they're electrified where they're nervous. It's the fight or flight constant. Oh, man. And it's like, well, how does that work? Well, unless you've had one, it's hard to explain. Um. Anyway, I, I feel like I'm talking too much, but no, no, you're doing good. No, no, no. But but anyway, what I was trying to say is it's irrational. When people say, dude, you gotta chill out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you moron. Yeah, of thanks. course I have to chill that was out. Super helpful. That was not how you know, and so when people go, dude, you need to pray about it. Okay, that's just irritating. I don't like Christian pat answers to complicated oh, questions. And I hope I hope no one does. I hope that you, if, if you are a local pastor or an elder or a leader in a church uh, or just uh, an obedient Christian that's discipling someone, I hope you, you grow a disdain for Christian pat answers. Ha- have some depth to the thing that you say to somebody. Totally. Um, and, and so let me ask you, Lance, if, 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 if uh, me as a local pastor, because I, I mean, I have uh, names, I have faces that are coming into my mind right now and did while I was reading the book of people like, whoa, like I've even given out the copy that I read because I'm like, oh man, I think you need to read this. I think you would um, be able to relate to a lot of what he's saying and especially the end will really help you. Um, and so so this is in our churches. These are, this are, these are our people, people that we love very, very much. What would you say to somebody like me as, as a local pastor that would just ask you, these people are in my church. Uh, maybe, maybe two part question. One is, how would I identify them? Who is somebody like? Like, how would I be able to like look out and see them or see tendencies? Um, and then, second, how how would I help them? Yeah. Okay. So, um, first, I want to go back to something you said before. They're in our churches. Yeah. And I want to re-highlight that because if you don't know about them, doesn't mean they're not there. Right. They're there. Yeah. They're wrestling with it all the time. They're are over 40 million people with diagnosed cases in America. Well, how many people are undiagnosed? Wow, the majority, yeah, yeah. right? Um, it's the number one prescribed drug in the entire United States. It's billions and billions of dollar industry all wow. the time. So it's huge. 
the fact that they're in your church, they're all in your church. So how would you even recognize that? Because if they're not talking to you, it usually means they don't feel free to. Right. And and there's, like we said before, that there is there is shame in there's Christians that it's attach, attached to it. Yeah, Yeah, because if you were a good enough Christian, you wouldn't worry. Right. If you were a good enough Christian, you wouldn't have fear. If you were a good enough Christian, because Jesus should have handled all that. Right. All right. So how would you identify them? Well, a couple things. One is depression and anxiety are two sides of the same coin. Okay. They're actually handled by the same meds. I think that's helpful. Um, yeah. And both of them drive you into isolation. Hmm. So you'll notice that people either have anxiety or depression when they tend to isolate out, wow. when they tend to quiet. Um they will not. They will avoid certain social situations. They will tend to be quieter, and they'll remove themselves. And you go, well, Lance, you're pretty loud. Yeah. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> well, I'm super loud when I'm when I'm good. When things start falling apart, you're spending so much time trying to keep your inner thought life yeah. together. You get quiet. Yeah. So the more anxious I get, the quieter I get. Hmm. Um, and so if somebody is withdrawing or something like that, or if they're um, saying that they're, well, they would go to an event, but no, 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 I can't make it this time. I can't make it this time. I can't make it this time. You'll avoid a lot of events. Yeah, and that's interesting when like one of our main tactics to get people plugged into our church is like, hey, get in a small group or come to this this event. Uh, these, these kinds of people that we would love to help, that we want to walk alongside will probably not be at any of them. No, they will and, not. No. So, no. And, and they need safe places yeah. to show up to. So uh, what would we do for them? How could we help them? Yeah. Right? I, that was I, the second I, and part I think of the that question. that's, yeah, I, the more I'm talking even just right now with you, that's how where my heart's going is, yeah. man, I want to, to reach out to these and know these people and know that this is a safe place. I don't want ever my church to be a place that would exclude or isolate somebody like this. So, so yeah, how can we help them? Yeah. First of all, I think that our attitude towards them or how we talk about things. So if we talk about things in a flippant way, you're going to shut people out. Okay. So if you do make comments and you and I are guys that yeah. like humor, all yeah. right? So we're also super sarcastic and Absolutely. all that different thing. So yep. we could accidentally shame people into silence. Oh, man. Which is a bummer. Right. So if you say things like, oh, that guy's being a pansy or whatever, well, then if somebody sees you say that about someone that's afraid, right. they're not going to open up. So first of all, you got to just watch your atmosphere. Yeah. Are you accidentally being a jerk or cutting people out? <laughs> but I think that the way to, to help them is to talk about it and have a level of respect about it. So for for example, yes. if it's a complicated issue, call it a complicated issue. Right. Um, call it what it is. Be honest about it. Let people know, listen, our challenges don't define us. Right. Everybody's broken. It just happens to be your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing is um, don't, don't assume that it can just go away or if they just had one good Bible study, they'd right. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think also it's, it's very helpful to give them uh, some space. Yeah. Give them understanding and say, hey, I'm here for you when you want to talk. You know okay. what I mean? That, and that's like, good. That's hey, good. right now, let's talk about it right now. Let's talk about it right now. Well, that's freaking people out. And especially like, I, I think that's especially applicable to, to pastors that if, if we would ever identify that in someone, that I think that's our nature. I mean, that's what makes us shepherds is like we're concerned for the flock. And so if I learn this about you, um, my tendency will be like, let me talk to you about it 
until it's fixed. And yes. let me let me pray with you until it's fixed. Yes. And this w- the way you're describing this is not a one and done kind of deal. This is something that someone will live with most likely for the rest of their life and and progress in for sure and 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 feel um, different levels of peace. I would assume absolutely a- as they move forward. But something that you're gonna it, you got to be in for the long haul, right? You got to. No, I think with that's them. the that's the real deal is is going into it and saying I'm gonna walk with you through. Yeah. As opposed to, I'm just going to hang here while we hurry up and fix it, and then we can move on to something else. Yeah. No, you have to say, listen, this is a part of what's going on with them, and unless God heals them, yeah. it's a really long journey. Mm-hmm. And so just saying, listen, I love you anyway, Yeah. even though this is going on, in you, and I would love to help where I can, meaning I, I can't do it at all, but I can help in little areas. How do I make church a safe place? People are helped a lot, even though you can't fix it, they're helped a lot by being able to share it when they need to share it. Yeah. Okay? Not forced to share it, but share it when they need to share it. Because the minute other people know about it, your room becomes less scary. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, The fear of, oh, no, people are going to find out adds to the burden. Mm -hmm. It adds to the tension. So just being able to get it out of their chest and talking about stuff, it helps. Right. It's a big deal. And then creating a safe thing where mostly... Fear comes in when you're trapped. Right. If you feel like there's no options. But if they have the ability and freedom to leave when they need to leave, Mm -hmm. automatically that lowers their stress level because they're in control. Yeah, so so powerful to be able to allow that option and to be that for them in their in their life. Yeah, and you pray with them, but here's the other funny thing. When you're in a panic attack and somebody's trying to pray for you, it is so uncomfortable. You feel super <laughs> trapped because you're like, dude, your hands on me. I can't get away. And you're talking forever. So there is an art form to praying with somebody that's in a panic attack. So mostly the work that we do, and this is kind of the idea of the book, is that we work during the downtimes, the times when things are going good or they're peaceful. We do all our work then. Okay. When it hits, you hang on. Okay. I mean, we're talking, it's almost like a storm hits. Just hang on, let it clear, and then do your work when it calms down again. Man, that, yeah, and that's like, I mean, even just you saying that is just wisdom kind of added to how we can can help. And, and that's when it is there, you know, maybe sit or allow them to leave. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that's powerful and something that our churches can do Absolutely. for people. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, going back kind of to what one of the things that we can do is is acknowledge it that that it's more complicated than like black and white categories of worried and not worried. Right. Um, I I I remember, and I say this um, because. Uh, just it was it was the beginning of this year. I was preaching. Th- we we're going through Philippians, and I talked about a peace uh, that you know that transcends all understanding, and and it was such a powerful message. Um, but I said during that message that like this is not like a peace that just ends up removing every worry that exists ever. Like there are everyday worries that that will that will come up, um, and and it's not saying that. It's saying for the stuff that that there is a peace available in Christ that it, it transcends through every circumstance and can hold up in the worst of them. Um, but I had somebody come up to me afterwards and said, like, I, I, I thought I heard you say that, like, there's going to be some worry that we'll have. But don't you think if Jesus says, do not worry, like, 
like he meant all worry and it'd be like he even said a sin to worry and I was like oh man like and for this was a younger guy and and I was like man this is a guy that that hasn't seen stuff yet and and you know without a lot of responsibility and he is he's wanting to black and white it he's wanting it idealistic yeah yeah he's wanting it to say like dude if you are in jesus there is no worry in your life whatsoever and if there is you're wrong and i'm like dude i and and like i hugged him and i just said like you know i wasn't gonna like get into it with him right then but i was like no i i stand by what i said that there there is stuff like i am concerned if my kids get too close to the uh edge of the street like I don't I don't want them to go into the street I want them to not be in and I'm and I'm right to worry about that and I'm gonna so I'm gonna act on that and respond to that um I I don't think that's the piece that that we're talking about here this is these you know these circumstances that that peace of Christ can carry us through um but I think a lot for that guy's mindset I use him as an example because I think that, that like we need to free guys like that to to have have multiple categories for what's going on here and and yes there I, I believe yes, and you, and you even said like you know Jesus absolutely said do not worry. So there is a sinful disobedient thing to that command of Jesus's um, that is not what you're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, and and some of it may relate for sure. I mean, there's going to be a piece because let's say uh, okay, let's use me for example. So I've had this situation that's a disorder, mm-hmm. but I also am human. Right, it has regular stuff. Yeah, some of that is worried that Jesus was going, dude, stop. You're worried about your fame. You're worried about whether people like you. You're worried about whether or not you're going to be successful. You're worried about stop doing that. Yeah. So that has nothing to do with my disorder, but I'm still human. So Jesus still has words for me of going, dude, that's also a form of worry. Right. And that one, I'm nailing you on. Yeah. That one's not okay. And that takes some maturity, I think, right? To, oh, big to time. like not just to fall on the disorder, but to recognize, no, nah, this is that's this has nothing to do with this. That's right. And you gotta sift it out and go, no, 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 no. That needs to be nailed. Yeah. That that is not okay. Um that that young man that you're talking to, unfortunately, that's where the stigma has started. I, I agree. And it comes from this concept, and I think that if we're gonna go theological about it, people have to come to a realization of what type of world is God expecting for us. Mm. So for example, there are a few strains of Christianity, and there's not a ton of them, but there's a few of them that believe that after after the cross, Jesus made everything right. <laughs> now that is a theology. I do not share that theology. Me neither. I believe in a kingdom now, but not yet. Yep. Meaning some stuff is nailed down, some stuff is still to come. Amen. But the view that all things are completed now will lead to this problem. Here's why. Yeah. Because we should have no problems. Right. If we have any problems, it would mean the presence of sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh So if we're going to play a theological game, that stigma comes from the concept that if you have problems, it must be the enemy. It must be the devil. Yeah. Um, And you can do that with wealth. Oh, if you're poor, you shouldn't have that problem. You should have wealth. Therefore, you're not Christian enough. If you're in a wheelchair, you shouldn't have that because God has healed everybody. Right. If you have fear, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. That created a stigma Mm -hmm. where the more righteous you are, 
the less problems you have. Yeah, brokenness shouldn't exist. Like it should be it should be fixed at this point. And I'm even thinking of like you could even have a practical application of that theology without with even hating that theology. When if like someone like yes. uh, like like the young man that I'm talking about, he he would if you said that to him, he would be he would abhor that theology. That's right. And yet he is he is practically living it out and saying yes. like you shouldn't worry. Jesus said this because everything's fixed now. Um, and and I just think we need to play out uh, what the categories that we have in our mind because because stuff still broke. Let me tell you. Well, like, <laughs> let's even just jump into the sin issue, right? Because everyone's dropping into the sin issue, right? The Bible says you shouldn't sin, right? And you're free from sin, so, Romans 6. So how come we're still sinning? Yep. <laughs> because there's also a practicality of God going, no, 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 I'm never going to authorize something that hurts you. Right. So I'm going to tell you, you should not do that. Right. Now, I do realize that you are broken, and that's a part of your life. Right. Therefore, I'm going to walk with you in it, but I'm not going to say it's good. Right. Sin's Galatians 5, like wrestling with the Spirit, the flesh wrestling with the Spirit, I think is a great picture of that, an acknowledgement of of everyday life for me, you know, everyday for me, life. that like flesh is going to wrestle with you, spirit, spirit. And my prayer is often pr- spirit, win, win that battle. Don't let my flesh win today. And, you know, even in that passage, he says, if you were in step with the spirit, you would not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Yes. Uh, Galatians five. And it's like, yes, that's what I want. But, and then I do. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, just, just hitting one other um, uh, theological piece it's the idea of what do you think about suffering? Yeah. Um, because there's a theology that says um, suffering is of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that, that glorify suffering. Oh, yep. the more suffering I have, the more righteous yeah. I am. Or the poorer I can get. Yeah, the, yeah. totally. <laughs> and so we always have, you know, human beings are brilliant at screwing things up. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that God gives us that's cool, yeah. we wreck it. Yep, amen. And so this idea of theology, once again... I believe that God will always do, and it's almost like a matrix, but God will always do what is first and foremost according to his grand plan. Yep. And that secondly, almost maybe the same thing, will glorify him. Yep. And then everything there kind of filters from there. And so I believe in both the theology of suffering and glory of healing. Yep. Because both are glorious. Yeah. God can be glorified in suffering. Some people say, no, he can't. I believe he can. The cross. I, I mean, the cross is probably, has to be the example that we look to, right? No, it's it, huge. It, it wasn't that God took a bad situation and made it good. He did that. He He ordained the cross. The cross was was God's idea. will. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was the plan, right? It was the plan. And I think that, um, once again, just because this is kind of a local pastor's podcast, yeah. we keep going back to the theological. Yeah. But you have to say, what are we to do with suffering? Yep. And if there is suffering, what then shall we do? Mm. Right? That's the book. We have fear. We are going to freak out. What do we do? Yeah. I think we need to live in the land of real. Right. Just like we have to live as pastors, we have to deal with what do we do with sinners? Yep. Well, Jesus said, don't sin. You're absolutely right. And here we are again. So what are we going to do? Right? That's kind of my take on the whole thing. And that's so awesome. And what a a powerful message because these these guys are in our church. And let's, I, I hate over, I hate like looking past 
issues. I hate that we, that there are things that we're scared to talk about. I mean, really like that's the point of this whole podcast is like, yeah, we don't know everything, but we know some stuff. Let's talk about the stuff that we, we kind of know about. Let's not avoid it. Like, let's not pretend that like, uh, that stuff's not there, but everything's great. Um, this stuff's in our church and we, and it's, and it's not, and what, what, what brings it down to the, our level instead of just talking about it. These are real people. These are real hearts. These are real lives. Uh, that are wandering into our church and we love them dearly. That's why we're pastors. And so why would we avoid an issue that is absolutely relevant and growing in relevance in our culture? Um, let's acknowledge it and let's, uh, you know, grab resources like your book and and think through of how we're going to help these people um, grow closer to Christ because ultimately that's, that's what we want for them. Um, and the, the big message of the book is you are not alone. You are not alone. To not let people just feel like they're the only ones feeling this. Jesus, when he saw a messed up crowd, he said they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah. He didn't tell them not to be like that. Yeah. He oh, brought them peace. Oh. That's our job. Powerful. I, I don't know a better place to wrap this up. Uh, Lance, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Uh, this is Pastor Cody Cannon signing out. Don't ask me that. Thanks, guys. <laughs>